Hello, sword people. Welcome to the Sword Guy podcast. This is your host, Dr. Guy Windsor, consulting swordsman, teacher, and writer. Join me for interviews with historical martial arts instructors and experts from a wide range of related disciplines as we discuss swords, history, training, and bringing the joy of historical martial arts into our modern lives. The episode show notes are at swordschool.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find transcriptions, photos, videos, and links for this episode. While you are there, you can sign up for my mailing list and I'll send you a free copy of my Sword Persons Care Package. This includes four ebooks and access to several of my online courses. My newsletter goes out every week with updates about the podcast, my works in progress, and all sorts of cool sword stuff. You can unsubscribe at any time and there's never any spam. Before we get on with the show, I'd like to thank the people who make it possible, my patrons on Patreon. It takes time and money to run a podcast, and without them, I'd have quit long ago. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash the sword guy for behind the scenes content to suggest future guests and priority access to my inbox. That's patreon.com forward slash the sword guy. I'd also like to thank Andrew Lawrence King for the Baroque harp accents that adorn the show originally recorded for my Paradoxes of Defense audiobook project. And finally, as a sword person, let me invite you to my online community, swordpeople.com, where you can interact with all sorts of people who are into historical martial arts in one way or another, without trolls, ads, algorithms, or Russian sex bots getting in the way. It's built on the Mighty Networks platform, which means we are paying for hosting and the use of their software, servers, and tech support, so we are the customers. We are not handing over our data to be sold to commercial interests, and so there is no incentive for algorithm-driven fear-mongering to maximize time on the platform. It's as pure as social media can be. There are four levels of membership. Free, this gives you access to the main discussion areas and events, etc. Or, at £5 a month, you can join Support Sword People, which gives you access to all of the above, plus the satisfaction of helping to support the platform, and access to live streams and my train-along sessions. Then there's the Solo Scholars at £20 a month, which gives you access to all of the above, plus all of my online courses that can be done alone, which are solo training, footwork, breathing, meditation, and recreating historical swordsmanship from historical sources. And finally, there is the Mastering the Art of Arms level at £40 a month, which gives you access to all of the above, plus all of my online courses, such as the Complete Longsword Course, Complete Rapier, Medieval Sword and Buckler, and How to Teach. There are no paid ads, no paid promotions, nothing like that, which means we are entirely dependent on the users of the platform to pay for it, so if you're thinking about joining, please do consider one of the paid options. So, if you'd like to join us and think you can behave yourself like a reasonable adult, because the code of conduct is absolute and enforced with an iron hand, which is why it's such a nice place to spend time, go to swordpeople.com and click Request to Join. It's fast, easy, and straightforward. You can get Sword People on your phone or other device by downloading the Mighty Networks app and signing in. Now, without further ado, on with the interview. I'm here today with Wang Qingyi, who is an instructor of classical and military sabre at Lionheart Historical European Swordsmanship in Taipei, Taiwan. She also blogs in Chinese at travelingswordslady. Dot wordpress.com. So without further ado, Qingyi, welcome to the show. I'm pleasure to be here. Excellent. So am I right in thinking you are actually in Taipei? Um, actually, um, I'm in just the middle of Taipei and our club is in Neihu. 
in Nehu is uh, is part of the Taipei. And uh, uh, for in Taiwan, we have several several clubs in mm -hmm. Taipei, and uh, we are the only one practice the classical saber, as I know. Yeah. Okay. And you're actually the first person on this show from Taiwan. So it's, <laughs> it's, you're, you're representing the entire country of Taiwan to, to the rest okay, of the world. <laughs> no pressure. Um, okay, so um, how did you get started with historical martial arts? Uh, for me, um, actually, I really like to see movie and recent literature just like others. And uh, I mainly... I mainly, you know, the, like the Lord of the Rings and uh, yeah, and one of the characters called Aragorn. Aragorn, okay. Aragorn, yeah, he's my, this is my favorite, favorite, favorite one, and he's very handsome and look really <laughs> cool with his Andrew. Yeah. Okay, so so <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, you're, I started. yeah, so you're an Aragorn <laughs> fan girl. Oh Excellent. yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. To well, be I, honest, I think I think you. You're not alone in that. There's there's quite a few people out there for whom Aragorn is. <laughs> All right. So, um, okay. So, having seen Aragorn in the movies, how did you get into actually swinging swords yourself? Uh, actually, um, when I really get into swordsmanship, and actually, it is from the duelist. Do you know the movie duelist? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have several scenes, uh, mm -hmm. several scenes of the sword fighting from the. Cavalry charge and the uh, small saw, yeah, and also the saber on foot. Yes, so this is a really fascinating scenery, you know. Yeah, and yeah. they are and that's, the, they are fantastic fights. They yeah, are yeah, such yeah. good sword, such good sword fights. Some yeah. of the best sword fights in any movies ever, I think. Yeah, this is really realistic, and uh, also the disengagement and the thrust is very accurate. Yeah. Also, the pot up the Polish movie. Oh, I've not pot seen that. Yeah. Uh, actually, there are there is the scene on the YouTube. You can just Google it, and uh, there is the two captain and the one with the saber, and he keep disengagement, and you know, yeah, it's really fascinating, and I really like the scene. Okay, so what's the name of that film again? How do you, how do you spell it so I can so I can look it up? Uh, you mean the movie Pot Up? Yeah. And. P O T O P. If if I if I remember it right. <laughs> P O T O P E. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I will I will have a look and I'll I'll find it and I'll put a link in the show notes <laughs> so people can go see it. Um, okay. So again, movies. But but was there a sword club locally to you that you could just go and join, or did you have to start something? No, no, no. There is no club when I was when I was in a university. So. Mm. I actually I start from the sport fencing. Okay. And uh, also read the sources I found online. You know, uh, there is the website. Uh, the website built by the Madison. Oh, yeah. 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 And there are lots of good sources. Also, the Wikipedia. Now. So I start from there and read the sources myself okay. and uh, try trying to recreate the old martial art. But it is just the beginning. You know, yeah. everything is new and everything is unusual and uh, it's quite new for me. So I had to learn a uh, sport fencing club and learn the, learn the basic my learn the basic with the coach. Then and 
probably at the same time when I was in university of the 2014, I think it's 2014 or 2013, one of my friends I met online and he studied in the Czech Republic. Okay. And uh, one of his friends is Michael Konachko and he also uh, he also the Fencing, uh, he also own a fencing school called Arctic Matoria. Right. And yeah, it is in the Prague. And they mainly do the Italian saber. So, and uh, he introduced Michael to me. So I start to learn saber. And uh, actually, it's from the, the saber is, is one of the living edge of the Italo-Hungarian saber. So I started to learn from him and... Uh, he came to Taiwan annually. Yes. Okay. He came to Taiwan annually. So yes. So I. So I can. So I can learn with him. Right. So he he, so he went he went start. to Taiwan from um, the Czech Republic, Czech Republic to to teach you some yes. saber. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it is just just my chance. So this is quite it is in particular. So. And uh, for me, the Italian saber is really found with its disengagement and also the application of the trust. Yeah. And in saber, sometimes we will think it's only for cut. But actually, in Italian saber, we mainly start from the thrust yeah. and uh, then the thrust of the fence and then continue as the cut. Continue with, with the cut. So and actually, there are multiple ways to attack also to vent. I think it's really fun. Okay, so um, are you mostly studying Italian saber or Polish saber or Hungarian saber? I mean, there's quite a lot of different styles. So what's... So yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for me, actually, in particular, um, we are most for the Italo-Hungarian. Okay. And Italo-Hungarian is generally, it's, it is from the Italian, Italian saber. And... Uh, uh, Czech Republic was one of uh, one of the region in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, right. and there are lots of officers uh, in the empire, and uh, they went to uh, they went to the uh, New Vienna state, uh, the new uh, I think it is the New Vienna state nowadays nowadays, and uh, they learned saber from Baba Seti. So actually, Baba Seti's uh, master is. Is Randali. Randali is Italian. Yeah. So, so yeah, Randali and Barbacetti, yeah. and then and then a lot of the yeah. sort of Austro-Hungarian officers were yes. learning Barbacetti yes. style stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we call Italo-Hungarian right. saber. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, I when most people think historical martial arts, they're thinking long swords or maybe rapiers, and but saber over the last 10 years or so has become a lot more popular. And now I love saber and I, I started out doing saber um, in sport fencing back in the eighties. And you know, I've been teaching sort of 18th century military saber off and on since forever. Um, so you're in good company. I am, I am, you're talking to a fellow sabre. But the wider historical martial arts field is often very kind of narrowly focused on like longsword or rapier or something like that. So why do yeah, you, yeah. why are you particularly drawn to the saber? Oh, for me, uh, to, be, to be honest, I actually start from longsword, okay. but I still want to do something one-handed so I can, I can have uh, my left hand. So 
I can do other application like uh, like in cavalry you you still have your left left hand to control yeah. your horse or also have the pistol mm -hmm. in hand. So that's why I still like the one-handed weapon. Okay, and and, and longsword and saber they they're sufficiently different that they don't they don't confuse each yeah. other. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so I'm guessing that most of the people listening don't really know anything about what historical martial arts or the historical martial arts situation is like in Taiwan. So could you just give us some idea of what it's like, there, how many clubs there are, what kind of events you do, that sort of thing? Mm, actually, now we have uh, several new clubs around Taiwan. Okay. And uh, also we practice a variety of different disciplines. And I think it, there is a new one in Shinju. Okay. And they focus on more like uh, Marozo, Longsword, and uh, I think they do practice Taizo. And uh, there are two new clubs. New, there are two new clubs in Taipei, and uh, they, one of them practice the British saber. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And another one I forgot which it is, but uh, I think it's Longsword. And uh, there is several in Taichung. I think there is one. There's the one new club in Taichung, and, and they practice many German longsword, and there are several in South. Okay. And uh, also we have some competition annually, and uh, some mixed weapon exchanges. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So actually, we really like to exchange exchange with this uh, different martial martial art background from the Chinese martial art or Japanese martial art. And even Philippine martial art because of the historical background in Taiwan. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, when you start, it was you that started Lionheart Historical European Swordsmanship, correct? That was that was your club that you started. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So was that the first? Was that the first <laughs> historical martial arts club in in the whole of Taiwan, or, or did somebody get there before you? Mm, actually, I think there may be some others, but I don't okay. know. Um, I would not say I'm the first <laughs> one. Yeah, I, I <laughs> maybe I just, just, just I don't know. Okay, no. so um, it, it sounds like Taiwan has a, a thriving historical martial arts scene with several different weapons practiced in various different clubs yes. in different cities. Okay, which is fantastic. So I have to ask, where do you guys hang out online? Yeah, because oh, I've, no, I've never seen any of this activity because, I mean, partly because I, I, I don't read Chinese, unfortunately. So I'm guessing you spend most of, you, you do most of your online interaction in Chinese, correct? Oh, right. well, That's yes. Fair. But, um, okay. <laughs> Actually, we do appear in the song, in, like uh, Hima United. Okay. So. Yes, and uh, for me, for myself, I'm in the military stable, and, uh, but for us, I don't know. Uh, actually, I don't know, but uh, we mostly meet in person. Ah, okay. So we don't chat a lot. <laughs> chat a lot online. Okay, so, so it's mostly an in-real-life rather than online kind of community in, in Taiwan. Yes, Interesting. Yes, yes, yes. Because, because, because it is relative, you know, relative, relative small sure. sport. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, in Taiwan, actually, is primarily for the Chinese martial art and Japanese martial art. They have lots of sure. people to practice. 
I mean, and that's that's not unreasonable. I mean, you know, China is right next door, and Japan isn't that far away. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, do you have like um, regular events in Taiwan? Regular event, yes, we do have a clash, clash of steel. steel in that's a great name. Taiwan, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's a, a new competition, and we also have several okay. workshop. And I do teach in mm -hmm. the clash of steel. Okay, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and that, yes, and uh, we really like to we really like to have some other mixed weapon events. And there are several small events, yeah, which is very, I think, I think it's very private, private sometimes. Okay. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about Clash of Steel. So how often do you run it and how big does it get? Where do you hold it? That kind of thing. Clash of Steel, uh, mostly, mostly um, the Clash of Steel will held in Taipei and, uh, they, and they are run by the Volunach okay. Society. In Taipei, for now. So there's a there's a historical martial arts club called Forum Nak in yeah, Taipei. Yeah. They run Clash of Steel. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are many practice. Is it once a yeah. year? There are many practice German German. The yeah. Is it once a year that they practice? The, uh, so, no, no, no. The, the Clash of Steel. And, uh, how how, how often is Clash of Steel? Oh, oh okay. Is it is okay. annual event? And when is it? When is it? I think the uh, I think. Uh, this year, I think this year is around okay. June. I think it's around June. Okay, so it's it's run by this Foreign Nach German. I'm assuming German longsword club because Foreign Nach are German longsword terms. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and but they're open to having you coming along teaching some civilized uh, Italo-Hungarian yeah. saber stuff. Yeah, actually, and um, I think I teach in previous years. Okay. Yes, and I. Many practice. I mainly teach the Italian Italian saber and also. Oh, you're a small sword, sword person as well. I love small yeah, sword. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I do French <laughs> foil. You know, I started with French foil. The first weapons <laughs> I ever studied was French foil. I love it. Yeah, yeah. That is actually there are there are lots of basic basic mm. is from the French foil. Even you can still apply yeah. in the saber. Um. So, what's your favorite uh, small sword historical source? Hmm. Of wow. course, Angelo. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so I'm guessing. Uh, do you read French at all, or just English? Uh, actually, no. I've, I I okay. I learned. So Angelo is a good choice because because it's a, a translation of the French, yeah, yeah. the original French, but done by the yeah, author's yeah. son while the author was still alive and published in London. So it's like, this is like the most authoritative yes. translation possible into English of this seminal source, the School of Arms, or School of Fencing. Yeah, that's one of, this is one of the advantage of yeah. the English sources. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, Babasetti do, do write in English. Okay. Yeah, Luigi Babasetti huh. do write in English. So you can just, you can just, just, just Google online and, Find the find the Luigi Papacetti sources, and also you oh, can fantastic. get a PDF. Okay, yeah, and it is it is it is very helpful yeah. to find sources written in English. I mean, if only Fiore had written in English, my life would have been a lot easier. <laughs> Actually, I do love Fiore sometimes, but uh, mm, I don't I don't read Italian no. that much. So, <laughs> Actually, oh, really? I read your books. Oh, good. <laughs> 
Yeah, oh, that's, that's nice books. to hear. My books have made it all the way out to Taiwan. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, so, what? Okay, we have like the the wider historical martial arts world, and every country seems to have its own particular historical martial arts community, which has things in common with the wider community, but also its own specific sort of approaches and ways of organising that sort of thing. So. What do you think the Taiwanese historical martial arts scene can teach the rest of the world? Hmm. I would say that uh, I think it's really, we really open-minded, and uh, as I have said, we exchange a lot with other martial arts, and uh, and I think uh, we do have the mix with a competition annually. It is also annually annual event, and. Uh, I think it's a good part of encouragement for the others to meet, and I think it is a kind of encouragement for others to meet with others and to to do the different kind of to do the different kind of you know mm-hmm. it's like a research research between the other martial arts and compare with each others and I think there are also kind of similarity and the differences between the martial arts. And uh, but uh, for the Hima is still you know unclear and has stereotype for other who don't right. really know what it is and uh, yeah so I think uh, we still need to work a lot on the promotion okay. and because they think the HML Hima is generally like the yeah. like long sword you know they they just equal equal Hima as long sword and actually it's still only for performance or for show. And actually, we do have the competition and it's kind of, you know, yeah. the combat sport. It developed into a combat sport and not only for show. And uh, so we still need more exposure. But uh, I think we are we are already growing, you know, growing bigger and bigger. I think it's just, we just need more time. And uh, the most advantage for us is the you know the different martial arts okay so you have like strong ties with the kind of wider asian martial arts community you know i i have always cultivated that myself and it is super useful so i know i've trained in karate and kung fu and jiu-jitsu and various other asian martial arts and Mm -hmm. i find that having a um if i'm stuck on a on a problem in in my research off most nowadays there are a lot more people who are like highly experienced and and can be helpful but back in the old days sort of 15 20 years ago um the most useful people to me in my interpretation work were martial arts instructors from other martial arts like kung fu for example, or tai chi or whatever mm-hmm. so yeah cultivating strong ties with the wider martial arts community is a very good idea yeah, uh, and and one of one of the very interesting I found that, uh, because my 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 one of my friend is from the mm-hmm. Tankendo and Jukendo, Tanken Tanken and Juken, and Juken is from is it is a Japanese right. ma- a Japanese pioneer Japanese pioneer yeah, and uh, actually it is d- developed from the French yes. the French fancy. And the French foil fencing and also the French saber, and they develop they develop training method into their tankendo training method. So actually, there is a lot of uh, training 
a similarity for for the for the for the European martial art and uh, with the right. Japanese, you can yeah, because in in the late nineteenth century, yeah. the Japanese brought over French instructors for I think I think it was foil, which they didn't really like saber, which they adapted into a kind of much more Japanese version of saber fencing using basically a katana in one hand. And then they have the, the bayonet fencing, which was its own yeah. separate thing, um, which they, they then, of course, they, they Japaneseified it a bit. They made it, they kind of gave it their own particular twist. Um, uh, I, I was uh, adopted the training method from the from the French foil. It's like uh, when you give the when you give the opening and they do a simple trot, and if you parry and that will do a disengagement. It's just like that. It's very it's yeah. modernized. It's really, really modernized. Um, training method as you can see in the uh, sports in nowadays. <laughs> Actually, it's yeah, it's, it's kind of fascinating <laughs> to me that the. Um, the bayonet stuff, they, they took it from the French, who were, I think, the worst at it in all of Europe. <laughs> this, I think the, the Swedish method was probably better, and the Prussian method, method was way better. <laughs> yeah. For the Japanese, they picked the French. Like, why the French? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, this this is really interesting that the linkage between the different kind different kind yeah. of the different style of Absolutely. martial arts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, so am I right in thinking you are also a strength training person? You teach? Yes. Okay. Tell us tell us a bit about oh, that because yes. one thing that I am really sort of keen on is the additional training around the swords that enables you to do the swords better and. I know my camera's turned on, and so you can see over there, there's a whole pile of kettlebells on the floor. So, yeah. <laughs> And there's like small hand weights over there. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I do all that stuff myself. So, so yes, they're really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all the clock. <laughs> what kind of strength training do you do? Hmm, actually, I would say that I'm, I, uh, I do mainly like the weightlifting. The yeah. weightlifting. The weightlifting. Yeah, yeah. Actually, weightlifting, I do say this competition, the weightlifting, um, including the snatch and snatch and... Oh, wow. Uh, so you're doing the Olympic weightlifting. Jerk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I do this, and it's really helpful for, for the explosive, for, for the explosive yeah. and uh, the speed. And also, and, uh, but uh, I would say I promote. I have to... Ah, okay, teach. so you, you, don't, you don't teach each other people, you just promote it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be precisely, yeah, I promote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, for most people, and the fencing is very safe yeah. as long as you do correct movement. But uh, when you speed up, the loading will increase and yeah. maybe it will cause the fatigue. You know, the fatigue. This will be the risks for the injury. And uh, also, the sport for performance is like a pyramid. And uh, moving safe and yeah. functional training is at the bottom. And the sport of performance is on the top. So you have to have the very good basic of the functional training then yeah, into and the sport performance. So you have like that functional training at the bottom and then yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. more specific strength training above, and then maybe stamina training above that and then you've got your sport performance on the top. Yeah, that's exactly how I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 and most of course, sure. most of have 
they they drop they drop so and we spend a lot of time to sit yeah and doing things with our front side so this is the weakness of our back muscle so and this will this will impact the yeah. movement when we are doing the sport because the imbalance imbalance will lead to injury so i think the performance will be will you know it will be not so good if 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 you if your basic is not really good, so you have to fix the problem. So, and uh, for me as I'm a mm-hmm. small female, this is really important for yeah. me to build the muscle mass to train with the weapon of certain weight. Ah, uh, yeah, the sailors that you're using really are def- yeah. maybe about a kilo, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, it's it's, it's around seven hundred okay. kilo, seven seven hundred grams. Yeah. Seven fifteen grams for Italian saber. So strength training is the best way for me, and uh, of course for the sport performance. Also, as mm-hmm. I have mentioned, I do sports fencing. So I do transport stance, uh, sport fencing training to the classical fencing training because and as we know in the nineteen nineteenth century, even in Renaissance time, as you can see there. Uh, some fencers train in the gymnasium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, actually, they are they are linked yeah, together. Yeah. So also when fencing. I interviewed Neil Stevenson on <laughs> yeah, the show so, last yeah. year, um, he talked quite a lot about using Indian clubs as a as because they're they're basically recreating kind of nineteenth century mm-hmm. combatives. So Bartitsu and uh, Saber and and they're also doing Indian clubs because they were very popular in London in the late nineteenth century. Um, so you do the yeah. you do the snatch and the clean and jerk. Yes, mostly and uh, also some accessory accessory work sure. like uh, agility and speed training, um, with you know with the movement and uh, also uh, I do do some uh kettlebell kettlebell is a really yes. good tool yeah, to I'm, I'm train your explosives. Um, okay, so can I ask what is your what is your personal best <laughs> for the clean and jerk? Yeah. My personal best. Okay, my personal no, best. Actually, I'm not a professional, so my personal best for the snatch, I think it's around... 40 uh, kilos? I think it's around 40 40, 40 kilos? 40, yeah, 40 kilos. No, 40 kilos. Wow, that's yeah, quite a lot. And, uh, <laughs> for, for as you see, you, you described yourself as a small female, and I have to say <laughs> okay. that a, a 40 kilo snatch is not bad at all. Wow. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, just just need time to practice and swallow uh, <laughs> clean. I I think clean I have done 50. for fifty. Fifty yeah, kilos for fifty. Clean and jerk. But it is it. But but this is just for the clean. Yeah, yeah of course, but of this course. Is the but, best time, you know. But sometimes it, you. But like <laughs> that, that moment where <laughs> you, you have the, you have the bar at your you've, you've got it up to your chest. And then you have to kind of drop down into a squat and shove it over your yeah, head yeah, yeah, and then yeah. stand up. You're standing up with 50 kilos hanging over your yeah, head. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's quite, that's quite impressive. Well, you, you, yeah. you just need some core strength. And <laughs> yeah. So you have I, to I, I take it you, you've been yeah. properly taught how to do this. <laughs> you've gone to lessons, yeah. Okay. Uh, so yes, where do you train? actually I do learn from a coach. And I train in the core space, and uh, they have the class called the weightlifter. The okay. weightlifter club club is in Taipei. Yeah, but 
But uh, for me, um, some I do train with them sometimes. But okay. uh, now I'm quite busy, so I train myself. But uh, you just need some time to learn the correct the the correct sure. and, movement, and so from, you can just practice yourself. Position, do you just drop it onto the floor or do you lower it back down? Yeah. 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 <laughs> No, I dropped to the floor because it's quite heavy. But uh, when it yeah, because some maybe maybe sometimes I can drop drop on the back yeah. on my back when the weight is not much and to do the second yeah. rep and do the you wow. know do the stand okay. up. Yeah, I'm, I'm I've never been been good at the weight <laughs> that kind of weightlifting stuff. So I'm I'm super impressed that you can you can clean and jerk fifty kilos. It's like okay. I, I I don't I don't want to I don't want to fight you. <laughs> I will, I will say you you just. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I would say you just need 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 a good coach because uh, there is some, there is yeah. actually it's a skill yeah and the skill is using yeah. your whole body is not just using your arm to pull it's all the power is actually from the leg and you push to the you push to the ground. And just use the momentum to yeah. grip onto your. Yeah, I, I understand it in theory, and I've done a little bit in practice, but no, <laughs> it's 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 super hard, and it scares the crap out of me holding a heavy weight over my head like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm much happier with sharp swords. Sharp swords don't scare me so much, but big heavy weights <laughs> very frightening. Um, okay, so um, I I do a bit of research on all of my guests, and one of the things I came across when looking into you and your background and interests is cats lots of cats tell me about the cats cats okay um I, okay okay to be honest i only have two cats and there are other cats from the street door okay. one one of the type of cat is my boyfriend's cat and um my cat is the one the mm. one with the wife with the white fur called nike yeah, and really, okay. and she really like to cuddle with my mom, and uh, he will get up really early, like okay. like uh, three or four a.m. and <laughs> and sure. she just want to someone to pet, to pet, you know. Right. Yeah. At that, three a.m. No, four a.m. No, if if you know, <laughs> back when my kids were little, sometimes one of my children would come in at three or four a.m. because they wanted a cuddle, and that's fine. But a cat, I would have I wouldn't have the patience for yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. and another and what another one is the tabby cat and uh, he was the stray cat and before we before i have a kid yeah. i actually had a i had a dog and the dog is really care about the stray cat on the stray cat and the kid are really small and uh, the tabby cat we call ban ban it's from the bunch of cats. And I think it's after one year Dodo passed away and he Aww. suddenly jumped into my window and never you know, when, when my grandfather was, was very old, he was about stay. 95, yeah. <laughs> I think. And it was after my grandmother had died, so he was alone in the house, in his house in London. And he got adopted by a cat that just appeared. And just, you know, he would feed the cat and the cat would basically just just stay with him until eventually he moved into a nursing home and but yeah this this cat just appeared out of nowhere sort of looked after him and and then you know when he went away just the cat disappeared 
It's extraordinary. It's like it's like they're magical creatures somehow. Oh well, uh, some songs.、Uh, I would say when the cat chose to disappear, they may they may know. Yeah, could be. They want they may pass away sometimes. Yeah, and、uh, actually, you know, the one of the in-、mm-hmm. most interesting is the Tebi Banban. I will call it Banban, and he really like to eat shrimp and shrimps and. In Mandarin, we call、yeah. it xia. Xia is the shrimp, but it's a shrimp. So and、uh, this is the word he knows. So every time when <laughs> we ask him, do you want do you want to eat a shrimp? <laughs> and he will stop to ah ah ah. So the shrimp is、Excellent. one of the words he、um, knows. Now now、it's、you, you、really、will、smart. send me pictures of your cats to put in the show notes, right? <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, if you want, if you want more cats, <laughs> yeah, that's that's where I came across the idea that perhaps you were into cats. Account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all cats, and I really like to you know take some photos on the street, and so <laughs> I do take a lot、um, of cats photos. Okay, so <laughs> now tell us a little bit about your blog, Traveling Swords Lady. So there's traveling and there's swords. And I assume the traveling swords lady is、oh, you. So、okay. I'm assuming you like to travel.、Mm, actually, yes, I do. This some chance to travel, and、uh, actually, and and I think in I forgot it is 2018 or 17. I teach in the in I I teach in the、oh, okay. British event. Was that was that、uh, the one organized by Fran? Oh God, I mean, sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. That event. So and. Yeah, actually, I really like、ah. to travel, and my family run the travel agent. So actually, that's I, very yeah, that's very I, handy. I yes, if you like traveling, having travel. having travel agency and, being、uh, your family business is very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where where have you been? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, mm-hmm. uh, I have been to Prague. I have been to Prague and British Japan, and mostly. I spend more time in Japan. You were born in Japan, okay? Background, actually, I born in Japan. So okay, yeah, actually, I born in Japan. Do you speak Japanese?、So、I spend more time in Japan. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm native、okay. native so, speaker, but yes, I've been so you speak to speak so. Japanese and <laughs> yes, Mandarin and English.、Uh, that's that's a pretty good mix. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so if if you. <laughs> Where where would you like to travel the most? Somewhere you haven't been yet. If you had the choice, where would you go? My, I haven't.、Been. Maybe Finland. Okay.、Mm. Okay. Maybe Finnish. I can Maybe I can Finland. recommend Finland, Finland very yeah, highly. Finland, maybe one of my choice, and Sweden. I'm going there next week. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> next week, okay. Oh, yeah! One of my Moomin favorite fa- characters. Okay, Moomin. My 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 favorite、Moomin. coffee yeah, mug. Yeah, I really like Moomin, Moomin coffee mug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And actually, if you get the chance, if you like Moomins, <laughs> if you go to Finland, it is totally worth going to Moomin World, right? Or Moomin Land,、uh, Moomin Myama. So Moomin World,、um, Moomin World, which is、oh, right. just outside Turku, so a couple of hundred kilometers west of Helsinki. And it is they,、oh, okay. yeah, they have recreated the Moomin Valley. Okay, I totally remember. Right, so all the buildings are there, and they have all these all these actors、oh, running around、wow. in Moomin outfits, and、um, there's Pikumu,、uh, Little Mai. I think they 
they call it in English. Um, the character with that kind of hair that sticks out at the top, who's very naughty. So she like she like runs all these activities for the kids and stuff. It's absolutely fantastic. I took my children there when they were about I think four and six, something like that, and they absolutely loved it. It's it's very calm. It's very quiet. Um, it's the only sort of theme park I've ever been in where there's a great big rest area with like hammocks and bean bags, so that when the kids are tired, you can all just kind of snuggle up and have a nap. I mean, it is. It is the most finished place you can imagine. It's fantastic. So yes, Moomin World. Definitely go. <laughs> okay. I okay. already So, so okay. what, what draws you to Finland? Into my list. Okay, Moomin Valley. Okay, really good. Um, Moomin is part of the reason. Um, of course, the sidesaw. And uh, before okay. I practiced saber, I really dropped into the sidesaw. Yeah, Ilka. And uh, auto uh, yeah. I, I sorry, I don't practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, and yeah, and he really, yeah. he really teach, and he, he teach you very well. Yeah. So oh, okay. I really want to. So you want to go to Finland to, to practice side sword with Ilka Hatikainen? <laughs> cool. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. To practice side sword, and uh, I think it's a, around uh, two thousand. I think two thousand. Fifteen or sixteen, oh, okay. when I went to Singapore to train with them, and uh, mm-hmm. the club, the club there oh, right, invited okay. to teach. So, so you sword, went, you went to I, Singapore I to study been... side sword with Ilka, but you didn't come to Singapore to study long sword with me. I am, I am, yeah, heartbroken. This is terrible. You like Ilka more than you like me. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I I already I know I totally one-handed. That's fine. Um, okay, <laughs> so I, there's a couple of questions that I ask all of my guests, um, and uh, one of which is, what is the best idea you haven't acted on yet? Mm, okay, I haven't acted. Actually, is I think it's translation. Translation and uh, there are several yeah translation there are I think mm-hmm. uh in the Mandarin speaking world and the disadvantage is the language and for most people reading in English sure. or reading other language sources is very difficult and uh, sometimes we even when when we want to search on YouTube or Google. And we just don't know the keywords, so I want to ah. translate it, tra- translate the sources into Mandarin. It's really hard, but uh, you know, it's really the yeah. Now, if you're translating really an English source into lot works to that's do one that. thing. But if yeah. you're translating an Italian source or yeah. French yeah. or whatever, that but then might be might be. I would like to try. Yeah, I would like to try because okay. uh, actually, I know some friends okay. they do speak. Italian and uh, French. Yeah. <laughs> so I still need to have more. Yeah. So so you you you'd like to translate? <laughs> Let's see. If if you had all the time in the world, what source would you translate into Mandarin first? Mm, okay. I would say maybe Luigi Balasetti. Yeah. And uh, Rondolian, the Rondolian sources. Yeah. Because it's much easier to grab uh, as for 
many for the um, sport fencing community is really quite easy to look into these kind of sources. And I think uh, when they know the sources and mm -hmm. other people will know because they do they do write something in Mandarin. Yeah. So okay. I can use this to do so, exposure. So the great idea, the, the, the best idea you haven't acted on yet would be to translate Barbacetti into Mandarin. That's 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 that would be quite an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, actually, I really want. I would like to join during some of my notes. Yeah, because I train with Michael, so I do have some notes myself, <laughs> and also I do well, draw you, you some always, notes. You can always get a professional really to, uh, to to <laughs> make the drawings for you. That's what I do. I can't. I can't draw at all either. But when I need a drawing, I I I hire somebody. Yeah. There are lots of people out there who can draw really well. Okay. Well, I think I think it would be a brilliant idea to get. <laughs> Some of our sources translated into Mandarin because it's an enormous market for people who, you know, there are mm. a, practically a, maybe a billion people, billion and a half who can read Mandarin. Yeah. Mm, I think the mainland China, the mainland China, and there are some uh, right. South, South so Eastern. So the market is huge. So, yes, they I can read great. Mandarin. Okay. Um, all right. So, my last question. Somebody gives you a million dollars or similar large sum of money to spend improving historical martial arts worldwide. How would you spend the money? It is. Actually, this is really the tough question. And uh, I do, yeah. Okay. I do think about to do a academic scholarship and also have the, you know, okay. an academic conference in Asia, just Asia region. Because we already have the conference and some type, some some kind of academic scholarship in Europe, so I think we need to have the one in Asia, especially in the Asia region. We don't have the historical martial arts conference here, so um, we uh in Taiwan we do have the university have the historical you know historical project and historical master they. They study and do the research on the military history. History, so I think it's uh I think this is really quite important to enhance the academic way and the academic research method, and to to I think to strengthen the to strengthen the historical martial arts scene and not just we not not just the martial arts sport or we. Or just swing with the source, and we do have some strict context or content to do lots of the research and combine mm. with the military history and also the military culture. And also, when we study the military culture, and we can also know why, mm. why, and how to conduct the drilling code. Also, there is the linkage between 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 it. So I think the academic academic conference yeah. is really important. Okay, so you would uh, you would it do cost initiate lots of money. a an academic conference what in Taipei perhaps or somewhere else maybe Taipei okay and and you would do it maybe through the mm, university maybe Taipei <laughs> yeah it's or the best maybe place. independent yeah. Mm, okay. yeah it's I think it's we do in the university is the best choice because it's officially yeah. okay. academic. 
So a formal academic conference. A formal conference. What would you would you sponsor academics to come to it, or um, I mean, what do you need the money for? For me, I may I may invite lots of uh, different kind of uh, different kind okay. of instructor or scholar to do a pre- presentation to to start the first step, and also we do so, have so some you, local you get a whole researchers. Load of, they can do yeah, their so you get a whole presents. load of scholars from the wider world and, and yeah, from I think Taiwan is really good stuff. and yeah. get them all together. Basically, I guess to to boost the academic yeah. side of historical martial arts yeah. in Asia. That's an excellent idea. Yes, this is. <laughs> I think this is. It is the the the. I think it's the point we sometimes miss in Asia scene scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they just just look at the competition, but uh, competition right. is just just part a small part of the historic martial art, and and sometimes the it is just the mm. combat sport yeah. and as a sport. Something maybe not real, okay. Maybe not real and not really accurate for the history. So when we read, I I would say when we revise, and I will I will not use the word as a recreate because okay. because it already exists. So I will use the word as re- revise. When we revise it, and uh, we need to we need to do more research on the historical and cultural background and how how the people at the time yeah. live lives and uh, also the real set of the city and also the real set of the city will affect um, which weapon they choose or the weapon they made so and so on so I think this this will add into ac- academic way is much more important. Then okay. the sport, yeah, then, that's, then, then, that's and then the martial arts. Interesting art. idea, because also just having it in Asia would attract much more sort of interest from Asian scholars. So it would it would sort of get the idea of historical martial arts sort of spreading out. Yeah, lovely. Well, if I had the money, I would probably give it to you. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Chingy. <laughs> it's been lovely to meet you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ching Yi. You can find the episode show notes at swordschool.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find transcriptions, photos, videos, and links for this episode. While you are there, you can sign up for my mailing list, and I'll send you a free copy of my Sword Person's Care Package. This includes four ebooks and access to several of my online courses. And remember, go to swordpeople.com to join the only troll-free online community for sword people. Join us next week when I'm talking to Denise Cabrera. This is a slightly different episode to the usual because Denise contacted me about a research project he is doing on historical martial arts publishing. And he is himself a publishing professional and produces all sorts of resources for Benadera de Stresa, mostly reproductions of the original sources. He had a lot of questions for me and I looked at the questionnaire and thought, oh my God, this is going to take far too long to type up. So why don't we just have a conversation about it? And that would be a lot more enjoyable for me. And then I thought, well, hang on. If it's enjoyable for me, it might also be enjoyable for you, dear listener. So we jumped on a recording and chatted about the publishing aspect of historical martial arts for quite a while. I am certain you will enjoy it. I certainly did. And 
So make sure you don't miss it by subscribing to this show wherever you get your podcast from. And while you're there, please do rate the show. And if you have an extra minute, leave a review. And as always, please do share this as far and as wide as you possibly can. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week. Thank you.